Hello and welcome to Tomlin's Harmonica Podcast, where I'll be hanging out with players and teachers and having conversations loosely based around harmonica. This week's guest is one of my favorite harmonica players on the circuit today. Not only is he a fantastic musician and performer, but he's also a brilliant teacher who works hard to share the tin sandwich with new audiences around the world through his YouTube channel, harmonica123.com, and more recently through the online Global Blues Harmonica Summit. He is my friend and teacher, Ronnie Shellist. Welcome to the show, Ronnie. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Thanks for having me, Tomlin. Good to see you. It's good to see you too. So uh, whereabouts are you currently? Because you've, you've just uh, moved location, haven't you? I have. I took the long journey from Denver, Colorado out to Champaign, Illinois, which is my new hometown. And this is a place I've visited um, many years in a row uh, coming out here for music. There's a really nice blue scene out here and finally just pulled the trigger. And I was like, you know. I'm I'm in the wrong spot in Denver, Colorado for what it is that I want to do. So my wife and I made the move about a month ago. Very cool. And are you uh, are you completely quarantined there at the moment or have you been allowed out? There's limited uh we're basically we're they're asking everyone to stay home unless you're going to the grocery store or uh you have a medical emergency, you know, you need to go see a doctor, but I'm noticing that when I run out to the grocery store, you know, people are out and about what they're doing. I'm not sure. Not, not much is open, but yeah, for the most part, we're pretty much tied up here at home. Oh man. So not, not a huge amount of exploring your, your new town. <laughs> we, we had like a, we had like a couple days where we're like, Hey, we went out to dinner, we went downtown and then it was like, stay inside. So yeah, at this point, we're we're inside but we will have plenty of time we just settled into a brand new home we're not going anywhere for any any foreseeable future anytime soon in the foreseeable future yeah i think i think a lot of people are in that situation i was thinking about this the other day i was thinking about the last person i saw uh that that wasn't my wife um like the the, the last friend that i actually saw and it that's a, a weird right. weird thought it's like hey that eddie came around for lunch like a day before shutdown and <laughs> right <laughs> it's strange it's a and i got here and got to see a bunch of the, my friends that i already knew and that was it it's like uh other than the there's a house concert actually i'm doing this weekend um on saturday with a buddy that lives just down the road they don't want people even doing that, but, you know, coming over and visiting. But I figure one person coming over and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him. I've been here for almost a month and I've seen him like once. So it's funny. So is that is that a, a live stream house concert you're doing? It is. That is on Saturday. Um, my good buddy, Andrew Duncanson, the lead singer. And he also plays guitar in the band as well uh, for the Kilborn Alley Blues Band with one L, Kilborn. And he is just, he really is, in all honesty, my favorite singer right now on the scene. And he's coming over. We're doing a little duo show. And I think we're doing like a 12 p.m. Central show. People can learn about that at um, harmonica123.com. I put it under the, typically under the, uh, I think it's the webinar or classes section of the website if you click on the store tab. But at any rate, that'll be fun to make some music. It's I'm like dying to play. So 
Yeah. Uh, just a little side note. Anything that you mention, uh, like Kilborn Alley Blues Band, I'm going to write up in the show notes below uh, so people can uh, can check it out and link to there. The only thing I will say is that this is going to go out after after your uh, live stream. Um, so you well, might need to do some more. <laughs> it, it will be made available after the fact. If somebody really wants to catch it, just uh, send me a message at Harmonica123 and I'll, I'll help you figure out how you can get to it. That's very cool. Yeah, I, w- I was chatting about this with uh, uh, with Roly Platt, and uh, he he was saying that uh, that he gets a little bit kooky um, if he doesn't get to go outside and and play like live. Like it's it's all well and good playing at home, but but there's a certain energy that that us musicians need to get out. Yeah, uh, how are you dealing with that? <laughs> I'm a high energy individual. Um, I have what I refer to as advanced ADD. And <laughs> I I am very good when I'm focused making my videos. I'm busy teaching. And I have been extremely busy so far since the whole quarantine went down. But it's been raining a bunch here. And to not be able to get out and just take a walk, yeah, I've been a little stir crazy myself. I'm pretty sure... My wife wants out, uh, <laughs> and it's only been two weeks. But uh, yeah, I'm going a little stir crazy. I just need more exercise. I think that's the the secret to it all. You gotta you gotta move, man. You gotta get physical. You gotta release that energy. And so, playing is one side of it, and teaching, and keeping mentally, you know, stimulated. But after a while, you gotta go take a freaking walk or a jog or something. Yeah, um, you, you might not have been following this, um, but but in the UK, the government have told us that we're all supposed to go for a run every day. Um, really? So if, if you look out of the window, there are just all of these very pink faced people who clearly have never been running before who are doing it for the first time. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a really nice idea, but it, it means that it's quite stressful going anywhere outside because you're trying to kind of keep social distancing happening. <laughs> and there are all these people running towards yeah. you. Um, and like when I'm walking down the street, I look like one of those, those people who's on their way home from a late night event and has maybe had a few too many tequilas and I'm, I'm moving from one side of the street to the other to avoid people. (laughs) Totally. Well, I mean, it's a, it is kind of interesting. Um, there's a lot of, uh, what's the word, um, contradiction or sort of like, let's let's close all these places all of our restaurants are closed and they are in most places i would imagine but there are many are open for pickup only but then you go to the grocery store which that makes sense to me but then you go to the grocery store and not in champaign illinois but i'm imagining in bigger cities now you're in a you're in the middle of this store and there's people everywhere all around you and it's like isn't this sort of defeat the purpose i guess you have to go get your food what are you going to do um that's not, it's non-negotiable, but I just try to limit my time outside. If I got to go to the store, it's there and back. I'm lucky here. They're not, it's not crazy. The stores aren't swamped. Uh, yes, people have purchased all the toilet paper here and champagne as well, <laughs> but you know, you get creative folks. Don't let that get you down. You don't need toilet yeah. paper. It is weird that that that's the thing collectively around the world that we were most upset about running out of, and like like food food is a lot more important. No toilet paper, Tomlin, come on. <laughs> uh, and then what about water? Just just your necessities. If they, I I heard for a while they were going to limit the um, 
this is becoming the quarantine podcast. But they were going that's to, what it is, man. <laughs> yeah, just chat it up. The, they were going to limit potentially our um, you know, our water, our electricity, I don't know, to what degree, gas. And I was thinking, that's a lot more alarming than a lack of toilet paper. But that's just me, you know. Um, I'm, but I got to say, I, it has been one thing I noticed that's kind of cool from all this is uh, the creativity that has, has spawned that from what I see on Facebook. Just not just people doing creative projects, but getting creative with how they're going to survive. All these opportunities that have vanished have forced everybody to rethink how they're going to survive. That's it. Make a living. And even when it comes back, I keep thinking like, you know, three, four, five, six months when things slowly start to open and festivals are happening again and gigs are happening, the whole landscape has been changed now and everything is, it's, it's going to be new. We're not, I don't think anybody can predict exactly how uncertain that might be. I hate to say that, but I think that, um, I think that on, in the in the onset, a lot of people are going to want to get out because they're still crazy from being in. So places like clubs and festivals will do very well. But I think in the long term, most people are going to be uh, potentially hesitant to be in large crowds again from just how serious this has been. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I think I think there'll be an element to that. I mean, to be honest, I think the first thing that everyone is going to do is go to the hairdressers. That that's kind of priority one. <laughs> yeah. As soon as quarantine is lifted, all of these awful home cuts will be fixed. Um, but yeah, people are going to be. Well, I don't know. I, I think as 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 a as a, a species, we have a tendency to to celebrate hard when we can, um, and I think. You know, you, you you look at what happened after uh, the Second World War, and, and everyone partied so hard, uh, even though it was still kind of tough times for a while afterwards. But like everyone partied hard, everyone went home and had kids. Um, like it it was it was a really positive time, uh, and I kind of feel that maybe we'll get that as well. You know, people are going to be really excited to to be able to take advantage of the things that they've missed. Um, I hope yeah. you're right. And I think that there will, will be a lot of that. And it's just going to be, I'm just curious, you know, I'm just curious to see how this all plays out, how things unfold as we move forward. You know, all of us around the globe have been affected. So it's just going to be interesting to see the domino effect of where that takes us. I think a lot of good is going to come from it, though, the awareness and just sort of people changing their perception in some ways of, um, you know, what's possible out there and just to be a little more, not just the cautious part of it. There's just so many things, little things that have come about from this that have made us more aware and maybe we'll become a little (laughs) better as, as a population for that reason, just because I feel like people live in their own with blinders on. We're like ants, you know, when I will go around and I travel a lot I'm like, we don't talk to each other anymore. I think that in some ways it'll change that part of it. You know, I think that's a little bit of what you're saying. It kind of connected to what you're saying too. And we'll see, man. I'm just ready to get back to, I mean, I moved out here for one of the main reasons was to play more live music. I was already on the road playing, but like live somewhere where I could experience that more often. And here I am and I can't do it. And I don't know how long it'll be before. I'm guessing it could be 
I don't know. What do you think? I'm thinking mid to late summer before anything even, I mean, late summer before things begin to sort of crop up again as legitimate opportunities to go out and play. And it's like, uh, at least the one the saving grace is we're all in it together, man. So, um, yeah. No doubt. I mean, so we, we just had an announcement today um, that uh, all of the Edinburgh festivals uh, are canceled this year. So uh, that's the International Festival, the Fringe Festival. So like all, all the stuff that, that people think of Edinburgh being famous for has been canceled. And that's that's in August. Right. Um, so I think <sighs> that's it, scary. It is scary. Um, it's it's going to be kind of interesting because there'll be loads of things that have been booked you know september october november already that those might be going ahead but then there are all the people who got cancelled uh from march onwards who will want to reschedule like how does how does that fit in right now i'm supposed to be in amsterdam watching santana mm-hmm. that's that, <laughs> that's where i'm supposed to be um and he actually cancelled his tour really early on um way before um anyone was taking covid seriously yeah it was kind of weird uh i I remember being really angry because my flights were non-refundable um and and now you know all the flights have been canceled as well obviously so it's like i get i get my money back (laughs) right or in many cases you get a chance to at least use that value and rebook whenever you need to in a year or so that's you know, and that's cool, you know, that there have been so many larger businesses and companies that have stepped up and sort of said, let's figure out something that makes sense, that is fair for everybody. Because it really, I had the same situation too with many of my flights. All these in-person events, uh, like everyone else, are gone. Um, but they will be rebooked, rescheduled, you know, like the Carolina Harp Fest was one of them with Todd Parrott. He puts that on at the end of March. So I would have just finished that and I would be on a cruise right now with Honer. And I'm very thankful that that is not happening. Um, But that would literally have been a back-to-back trip for me. Um, And while that one won't rebook because you'll just have to wait the the year to come back around that that cruise, the the Harp Fest will come back. So I know that – it's a shuffle, a game of shuffling all these events and where will they fit and how can I, the same with the Kerrville Folk Festival. There's one that came up for me this year, which would have been May. Now they've already rebooked it for October. So there's a little bit of saving grace in this that, you know, they're, they're really trying to preserve the events. But the problem is how does a full-time artist get by in, in the interim? And you and I are fortunate because we spent a lot of time working online And, uh, you know, we've got all, I've talked about this endlessly with friends and family and a little bit on social media, but my heart goes out to the, my good friends all around that are just trying to figure out how to survive right now. And so it's tough. It's, it's makes me very sad. It is, it is kind of insane. And and I I think you and I have chatted about this before, but we're kind of watching, sort of at the same time feeling incredibly grateful that that we're already doing the online thing and and also feeling like like you know how how do we kind of uh, support everyone 
Um, and it's just every every person that I see posting something, and it's not just in the harmonica world. It's like every little business that's kind of like, if people buy these things, we'll be able to stay open for another few months. I was like, shit, I really want to. I I don't even know what that thing is, but I want to. I want to help. And, yeah. And that's impossible to sustain. Um, it's. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm seeing lots of positive from it in that yeah. the community feels like it's getting stronger. Um, and I'm kind of hoping that doing these podcasts, you know, it, it's a way for people to to maybe be introduced to musicians that they don't know. And then they'll explore a little bit and they'll they'll kind of find out more about them if they like what, what they're saying when we're chatting. Um, but But then at the same time, a lot of the people who would be patrons to the musicians are also struggling and are in pain. And that's right. The domino <laughs> is hitting everybody. You know, it, yeah, this is fa it's fascinating to me. Um, starting about ten days ago, my email began blowing up, and I realized right away that that was because more people were at home and they were looking for distraction wanted to get back into taking some private lessons, wanted to learn about this class I was doing online and, and whatnot. And, and that trend has continued, you know, for the most part, but it was, there was a period where it was, whoa, is this, is this the way it's going to be? And I don't think at all that that has shifted. It's more like this temporary, the beginning of this, this quarantine thing. Yeah. Blew that up. And I'm looking at my buddies in the harmonica world that are starting to offer some cool online events, which I'll begin promoting and pushing um, and helping my fans find out about. Cause it is like you doing the podcast. That's great. I think it's, it's, it's a perfect way to make people more aware of other artists out there that are, you know, that this is what they do for a living. Um, and that includes you and I, we can also, you know, pivot in these troubling times where we've lost these in-person events and thinking about ways to support our our friends that that literally a lot of them being musicians that have lost everything and i think i think this is a great way the podcast is a wonderful way to get raise the awareness and i know that i am going to try um to find a simple way to just perhaps donate a percentage of some of my online events towards um artists. The other way is I want to maybe do some free online things and just put these, you know, PayPal links or something and say, please donate to these artists, maybe do one at a time type of thing. Like today's featured artists that I'm supporting and put there. I think that's an easy way for me to give back. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's tough. Cause I've also had to make up <laughs> a lot of lost, uh, money there. So it's, this is interesting, man, but more importantly, uh, it has brought so many of us together in a lot of interesting ways. It's like right here, right now. Hmm. You would have been at a Santana concert. We would not be doing this. <laughs> no, and and this, I mean, kind of quite selfishly, this is something that I've always wanted to do. I love listening to podcasts. I always thought it'd be cool to do a podcast. So it, it took a pandemic to make it happen. So <laughs> I'll uh, I'll get I'll get ahead of the curve next time. I love the idea. I've always had that idea in the back of my head. How cool would that be? And uh, there's one other gentleman that I know that did some podcasting in the harmonica world. But I have a feeling that you're going to tap into 
the right artists, the right people that people want to be introduced to, and also talk about things that are going to be fun. I like that we're just chatting here and that it does not have to be music-centric or harmonica-centric. But um, down the road, I'm assuming you might be doing more of that where it's just harmonica-focused. Is that true or am I totally wrong? I don't know. So, I mean, my, my plan and the way that I've promoted this so far is this this is something that I'm doing for the duration of quarantine. Um, I I might carry on, but, you know, it is it is a chunk of extra work. Um, not not in a bad way. You know, it's it's I normally go for a nice long walk every day. I'm not doing that at the moment. So uh, I'll hang out with one of my harmonica buddies on Skype and record it instead, which is is lovely. Um but yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, I I like that it it could be just a, a short series uh, while everyone's stuck at home and and want something uh, a little bit lighthearted to listen so, to. People uh, probably don't know this. But, yeah, you know, you never know. It might it might carry on. But uh, you and I met in Edinburgh at your event, the Harmonica. What is the what do you call that event? The, the Edinburgh Harmonica Workshop. Edinburgh Harmonica Workshop. And thanks to Tomlin, I got to go out and hang out and see his beautiful city, a city which I had actually spent one evening in many years prior um, when I was a courier and had to deliver what they call a wafer. I told you this, right? You did. This was <laughs> this was such a weird story. You need to, yeah, t- tell us about it's it. It's not really that exciting. Let's keep uh, the short version. I was a deliver. <laughs> I was a local delivery courier guy. This is many years ago. I'm um, still trying to play mu- live music, and I was the part time thing. Still hanging on to part time jobs at that time. And the job was horrible. They didn't provide me with enough work. I sat in my van outside of their warehouse most days. But one day, Tomlin, right before I was about to quit and say, screw you guys, they came up to me, my boss, and he says, you have a passport? I said, yes. Is it current? Yes. Can you get on a plane tonight and go to Edinburgh? And I said, yes. I thought to myself, well, this is the best thing that's come out of this job. Long story short, they had me carry what's called a computer wafer, which is the part of the computer that contains very sensitive information. So they wanted it hand-delivered to the customer. So I got to go through London and then make my way out to beautiful Scotland. It was great. And the problem was I landed in the evening and in the morning I flew out back to London to spend about a week. Um, but it was enough to know that I wanted to go back there. So I appreciate you bringing me out there. Um, that was just a wonderful little visit. Lee Sankey was there. Um, obviously you were there. Uh, Liam, <laughs> Liam Ward was there and we just had a great time bonding and, and teaching and playing and chatting it up. It was really nice. You, you really put on a great event. I gotta say. Well, thank you. Um, I have actually just canceled this year's one, so. <laughs> uh, it's not a great segue, but, you know. <laughs> but but there will be more. This yeah. is the thing. Like, there, there will be more. I will do it next year. Um, but I, I think that that's the thing. That's the thing that I think everyone is missing right now. Um, and we, we maybe don't miss it quite so acutely uh, when when it's it's easier to, to get to it. Yeah. You know, I think pe- people don't think about in-person events enough. Um, 
but you know teaching online is wonderful and learning online is wonderful but there is something so incredible of about seeing people in the flesh and yeah, uh there was sure. a guy at at the the edinburgh harmonica workshop last year um who asked me so we, we run a jam session on the second night and he, he said uh tomlin do you think there's any chance that i can get up on stage and, and jam with ronnie um and i was like yeah of course uh so he got up and played with you and um then he got off stage and he was in tears and and i was just like like, this is this is incredible and he said this is this is the like my life's ambition to get up on stage and play with ronnie and i got to do it and, I, and and what was funny i don't know if i told you this but i'd been planning on never doing an in-person workshop ever again um and and it was chatting to him i was like shit this is so cool i can't not be part of things like this it is um, the whole reason that that I began even posting videos in 2006 on YouTube was, was for no other reason than to try to just share with family and friends. When I saw that people tuned in and were like, we want more of this. Every video since then has been about trying to give back what somebody gave me many years ago. And his name was big Jack Johnson. For those of you that don't know him, he's a famous Delta um, singer, guitarist, he's since he's passed now, but, um, he has an album out with Kim Wilson called the barbecue Memphis barbecue sessions, which is probably one of my favorite recordings. And big Jack basically, um, long, long, long story short, that was the first time I ever made music live that, that I ever got up was with him. He, I was in Florida. This is a good story. I was in Florida. I'll make, I'll give you the condensed version, but basically I'm out there visiting my brother in Key West within this is like a year and a half or two into my playing so i had a d harmonica in my pocket he says to me we're going to go to this blues club he knew i loved blues and he said there's somebody playing there supposed to be pretty good tonight i didn't know who big jack johnson was we walk in i look to my right right when we walk in the door and on a bench is this guy decked out he's just he looks like royalty and he's just sitting back and it's big Jack Johnson. Again, I didn't know. I didn't know if he I didn't know if he worked there. I didn't know who he was. And I and he and I looked and I said, Hey, how's it going? Just just to say hello. And he goes, Hey. And I said, Do you know who's playing here tonight? And he says, I am. And I said, You are? I said, Oh, that's great. Do you have a harmonica player? Me, naively, just I'm asking because I want to listen to harmonica. He said, No, do you play? And I said, Well, <laughs> I said, yes, but I'm just, you know. Yeah, I play. And he goes, you have one on you? I said, yes. And he goes, okay, I'll call you up later. Get your harp tuned up. I was like, tuned up? What? I have to tune my harmonic. Like, <laughs> I was so green. Anyway, he ended up inviting me up several tequila shots later. I got up on stage with him at the very end of the night. He was such a nice guy. In between his break, he would sit down and talk to me. And that was my introduction to playing music. My first time ever making music was with him. And I remember it was the scariest thing I had ever done in my life to that point. And also at the same time, the most exciting thing that I'd ever done. And I knew that night I stayed up all night. And I remember thinking this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's cool. And I, I think I think everyone who does what we do has has probably had a pivotal moment like that where usually so, someone has has kind of brought them in 
you know, I think that that's really important. Um, and, uh, you know, unless you're one of those people who, who is uh, confident enough to kind of make it happen uh, yourself. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, and the thing about it was, is that because he changed my life so profoundly, it has been a huge aspiration of mine to give back as much as I can as far as my knowledge, my excitement, my passion for uh, music and specifically the harmonica. So it's easy to do the work that I'm doing because I'm always in the back of my mind. I'm thinking about um, how lucky I am to be able to give the, this experience that I got back to potentially not only a few people but maybe – hundreds or thousands of people at this point that ripple just keeps going and to me the online preservation of all that is a large part of what makes it possible because people can go back when i'm too old to do this or i'm not around and say there's that guy that started posting these videos up and you know they don't know me from anywhere else but this guy online i'm just literally they must think that i just I eat and live in like my office because that's how they know me, but I'm fine with that. You know, I've been, I've been very fortunate that they've, they've supported, everyone's given me enough support that I can continue to do this. So I feel very lucky. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a very cool gig. Um, you were saying that, that you've been posting videos since 2006 and I wanted to ask you about this. This is on my, my notes for today. Um, was it you or Adam who who was first to start posting <laughs> on YouTube? I, I was I was first, and I didn't know it until Adam told me. We were hanging out at a spa event the first time we met in person, and we started chatting about YouTube. We I forget how we got on the topic, but it probably wasn't that hard to get on the topic. And he said, "Did you know that you were first? And I go, "What do you mean first?" And he goes. Right before I started posting videos in 2007, Adam said this, before I started posting videos, I, I did a search and I only found one of the few things really on a harmonica on YouTube at the time. I found an old Sonny Boy clip, which was killer. And I found a bunch of just, you know, horrible, like just people making noise on the harmonica. And then I found you and that was it. There was no one else at that time. Um, putting out instructional content or just, you know, jamming and stuff like that on YouTube. So you were the first. So he hit me to that. I didn't know that. And um, that's cool. I know that right around that time, so shortly after, Adam and maybe like Dan Gage and some other players began sharing and teaching regularly, actively. And I dropped off because I got distracted with life. But throughout the years, I've still somewhat consistently been posting and more so nowadays. Um, I'm inspired by people like you who have built a massive following um, on YouTube and on your website. And that, that proves that not, not only are you doing a great job as a, a consistent sort of marketer and putting yourself out there on YouTube, but you do a good job at teaching and you have a process, which is an important part of teaching that people can follow, that they can expect. This is Tomlin's method for teaching. So I think that that's inspiring seeing people like you, um, Thank you and Liam, people that have, you know, came later in the game on the social media or YouTube platform, let's say specifically, but have made a massive impact. Um, kudos oh, to thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's uh it's kind of, it's kind of nuts for me to hear things like that cuz 
I, you know, I, I learned everything that I know from, from watching the first people posting videos on YouTube. So, you know, you and Adam and Dan, yeah. um, uh, so yeah. it's just, it's, it's kind of nuts. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I never thought that this was going to be, uh, what I was doing. It, <laughs> You didn't, you didn't picture it quite as big as it's become. Well, it was, it was completely accidental. Um, I mean, that there was definitely a point when I realized that it, it, that it could be something worth uh, pursuing um, aggressively. But, you know, it was, it was just yeah. a, uh, it was a service that I was doing for, I used to run a, a brick and mortar music school here in Edinburgh. And I was getting fed up of my students coming to, to lessons each week and saying, hey, I don't remember what we worked on last week. So I just started posting videos of, you know, after each lesson and, and then said, look, here's, here's a video for you to uh, refer back to so you know what you need to practice for next week. Ah. Um, and then it was just, uh, you know, I, I think it was... Um, you, you, you'll laugh because I, I think you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. But I think it was uh, uh, Jerry in Texas who uh, reached out to me through the YouTube channel. He's like, hey, do you do Skype lessons? And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a musician, so hustle is in, is in my nature. I was like, yeah, of course I do Skype lessons. I have no idea what Skype is. But... <laughs> You're right. So, or, well, again, organically, it's it happened for you. My first video that I shared ever on YouTube was a video called Harmonica Improv or something like this. And the whole point of me putting it up was my girlfriend at the time, her her uh, sisters recommended because I was trying to email it to like a family member or two to show them what I was doing. And she's like, you can't email that. And, you know, I didn't understand all any of this. She's like, there's this thing called YouTube, which had been out, I think, only less than a year at that point. Somewhere in 2005, YouTube began, I think. And so she, she said, go to YouTube and put it up there and then you can get them. They can watch it. And that's the only reason I put that video up was because of her and me trying to send it to a family member. And it's just cool. You'd never know the you know what the the point of all this is the most important message is put yourself out there because you don't know who you're going to impact and who who you might resonate with all these people that just might learn something from you and by being vulnerable and putting yourself out there it allows you to make new connections and it, the same applies with so many things in life and i was saying that you know in music it's exactly that. It's the people that are vulnerable, the people that are willing to say, I'm not all the way there, but I'm going to jump in the deep end. I'm not ready to play yet, but you know what? I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to try. So if you're a person in playing harmonica, my advice to you, and you've been telling yourself, I'm not ready to jam yet. I'm not ready to go to that open mic or that blues. You're ready. Go do it. You've got to get up and go make a few mistakes have an experience. You might shock yourself at how much fun it is and what you can actually do. The biggest thing I see with all my students is they're all, they have so much skill built up, but they're not putting it together all the way musically. And some of that comes from the lack of vulnerability. You know, music can be scary as hell, but you put yourself out there the first time, the second time is a little easier and so on. People don't see that, how rapid that progression can be. So they just live in the wall of fear, I think, and they just allow it to paralyze them. So, do you yeah. not think that that's that's maybe the curse of the adult learner? 
you know like we like kid kid like yeah. little kids are really good at making mistakes that's kind Correct. of how they get good at stuff why um, are kids good at making mistakes because they live in the moment and yeah. because kids don't let their thoughts jump into that they just live in the excitement of what might happen and what is happening they're not thinking about any of the negative or possible uh, impacts like, will this person think I'm terrible? What if I play a bad note? Yeah, exactly. I do think it's an adulthood curse thing when it comes to learning music. But the coolest thing is, is that all walks of life, like any age, male or female, it doesn't matter. It is possible to change that. And I think a lot of it is how we were raised, how we learn as adults. You know, we all learn a little bit differently. Some people process information you know, in one way and the other person, you know, it's a completely different method. So figuring out your, your, the way you process information is probably step one and your teacher should be able to help you figure that out. And step two is being willing to trust that by, by literally just putting yourself out there, making a video, sharing it on social media, um, recording yourself and listening back, sharing it with a friend, those are ways that you can get quick feedback. You start to gain confidence. It's all about gaining more and more confidence so that when I pick up my harmonica, I trust that the sound that is going to come out will be the sound I hear in my, my mind because I've worked on the technique to support the sound. But that getting to that point, the trust point, the confidence takes putting out all sorts of stuff that's not so great. Yeah, I mean that's the, that's the thing. You need you need to make mistakes fast. You need to kind of get out there and fall down hard and fast and repeatedly. Yeah. Yes. So that you know, you know, everyone needs to have the experience of of playing very loud the wrong key harmonica on stage. Oh, everyone Ooh, needs to well, have that at least it's once. Battle that you'll remember that. Yeah, you'll always check your keys very carefully. Um and I'm, I'm still guilty of that every once in a while. Yeah, we all are. That that's the thing. Like I I love uh I remember having um a, a conference call. I think it was with you and Adam and David when we were preparing for the Global Blues Harmonica Summit. And and uh David Barrett, he picks up his harmonica and does the thing that every student does multiple times a day, which is play whole nine instead of whole two because the harmonica's upside down. And and it, That's it was funny. It, I don't remember that. <laughs> it, it just it it struck me because you know David is is the coolest guy on the harmonica. He's just so relaxed and and he just oozes confidence. And then that there was just that little oh, see we do it as well. <laughs> yeah, and well, and that's what's I think that is very comforting for the average player to know that you know. Everyone is making mistakes, whether you're catching or not. There's there's mistakes happening. There are um, unintentional things that just come out. And so you you learn that that's just part of it. It's your ability to adapt and pivot in those moments and not let it bother you. I think that once you hit something on stage that you don't like the sound of, you interpret as like a miss hit, right? You, I didn't, that's not the bend that I intended. That it's the domino effect of, kind of that irritation living into the next note, the next note, the next note, the next note. Me, when I play, if I had a bad note, it's like I'm on a highway and I'm I'm a kid looking out a window and I just see trees going by. It was just a tree. I was like, it's gone. Next. I'm so focused on 
what's happening that if I hit something bad, I'm just, I'm, I pretend like I heard it the way that I intended and I keep moving. I can go back and try to unstick the read if it was a stuck read, tap it. But I, I'm so in the moment on where I am right now musically that those hiccups no longer impede my playing. They don't bug me at all. You know, and I think they, that's something that's just experience and time. What, what do you think? Oh, definitely. And, and I think it's, you know, every, every single gig for, you know, my first 500 gigs, uh, there was a, a post-mortem afterwards in my mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of like, why, why? And, and it, the, the worst gigs were the ones where people came up and said, wow, that was the best gig you've ever played. I was like, you know nothing. That was the worst gig <laughs> I've ever played. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but you can't yeah, say totally. that because that's, 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 that's yeah. really mean. And you just got to be like, oh, thank you so much. That's really kind. Thank you. It's true. Whereas inside you're thinking, oh, I'm never doing that again. And, and, and if I've told the guitarist once, I've told him a thousand times, <laughs> there's no turnaround. <laughs> yeah, and, but the funny other part of the other side of what you just said is that you have to listen to that feedback on especially in the nights where you're like that was awful nothing went right and then the person's like man you guys sounded great there's validity there is total validity in what they're saying and you have to accept that on a certain level you made a positive impact on somebody so you almost have to let that permeate that negativity and go okay well geez i'm glad somebody you know, picked up on something that uh, that impacted them, and you did something right, even when you felt everything went wrong. I think that's the biggest thing. It's in our minds as we're playing, it's catastrophe zone, and out there to the listener, the average listener is not catching the majority of what's tripping you up. No. And it's all about staying focused on, uh, you know, the moment, man. Like we're back to the adulthood thing and the kids. Like kids are. They're so focused on the moment. They're not worried about any of that. No, absolutely. And and the, the, other, the other thing to remember is that um, nobody cares about the harmonica player or the guitarist or the bassist as much as the harmonica player cares about himself or herself. Like you're, you're so hyper-focused yeah. on your own playing right, that, right. that people are listening to a band and they're listening to the music musical whole, uh, and that's that's what you need to be thinking about: is how how do I contribute to the musical whole rather than how do I contribute to myself and my self validation on stage? That's a very good point. Like, and that's a great way to approach music in general, as as a harmonica player specifically is, and really all musicians. But you have a role, and if you stop listening and hyper focusing in on what it is only that you're doing and start listening to all the elements, you find your role very quickly. You hear where you're supposed to be quiet, where you should come in, how loud you should be or what dynamically it, it's the music is, is, is telling you everything you need to know. You just need to listen carefully. And so maybe a good suggestion to people just playing, getting into playing live is it's okay to be up there and have a moment of silence. Even when you're soloing, I think, the fear is that I've got to say something the whole time. I've got to play this perfect solo. You know, you could just go, you can wait for the next note. You play a chord or you do whatever. And then it's, let's wait and, you know, hear what that sounds like and what, how the band reacts to that. There's, you just have to be comfortable being in your own skin on that stage. And then you'll be able to play what naturally comes to you. It takes, I think that takes a long time. I think that it's something that, um, 
I know for me, I'm still working always. I feel relaxed on stage, but I know that to bring out my best music, it's something that I constantly have to strive towards. Like I still feel like I have a long way to go is what I'm saying. For example, I love to sing, but I know that I'm not the best singer out there. But I love singing, so I don't care. I'm going to sing. And I know that that's a focus area for me as as an artist, right? Not just a harmonica player. But it's something that I think also would help the average harmonica player try to sing a little bit. And those are the types of things that I wish I had done really early in my playing, but I didn't do it until maybe like five, six years in. Like I'm going to learn how to sing a song so I can relate to the song differently as a harmonica player. I, I think that's huge. I, I think I, I talk about this tons with my students when, because I, I think one of the biggest issues with harmonica players, uh, especially at the beginning is, is the phrasing and learning how to leave space because uh, unlike other wind instruments, you know, you can, you can breathe in and then when you're, you're too full, you can start breathing out and you can just make noise constantly and you know I, 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 it, it doesn't necessarily make for a great listening experience whereas if yeah. you listen to singers and you become a singer then you start noticing what what phrasing is like and what really hooks yeah. an audience um, it's everything yeah singers are the the biggest i think for a harmonica player it's the one thing you should be focusing on more than any other instrument or the vocals because that's where the melody lives as a harmonica player. You need you, even if you're not going to play that melody, you need to know it because from it will stem your ideas. And so the way in which you present your ideas could relate to the melody, but not be the melody. You know, there's so many variations of improvisation and performance and all this and many angles that you can consider. But at the end of the day, you know, you want to relate to the, like, if there's one part of a song, you need to first examine it's the melody. If there's a distinct melody going on, you need to know it. And I'm a big believer in that for years. I'd never paid attention to that. Um, and I still work on this. I think my next life, my next, and when I say next life, I mean like this life, but like not this part of my life where I'm doing what I do now. I want to acquire more melody playing. I want to be able to one song I've been working on that I'm still refining, but I can finally play it as black Orpheus on the diatonic black Orpheus PT gazelle taught me sugar, which is a Stanley Turrentine song, I believe. Um, these types of melodies, uh, sweet Georgia Brown. Um, there's a couple others. They're so beautiful and they're, and I'm not an overblow overdraw player. But when I play on these songs that don't require those notes and they swing and they have these gorgeous melody lines, it is such a challenge for me, but it is so rewarding to be able to play the melody. I, I think, yeah, mel melody is a huge one. Um, I'm, I'm going to take this and, and, and pivot it slightly because um, I, I think one of the things that's um, quite difficult as a, an online teacher versus an in-person teacher is really being able to dictate how how someone learns, and and that that sounds very pushy and aggressive, but but we we've chatted about a couple of things that students might, if they're left to their own devices, won't necessarily want to spend the time doing because it's not the fun, sexy thing, um, and that's certainly something that I really struggle with. It's because if I have an in-person student. Um, like from day one, I get them playing with a guitarist. 
I get yes. them used Good. to jamming. Uh, but I can't do that uh, online. You know, I, I can I can say watch this video of me playing guitar and play along with it. But right. I don't know if they're if they're doing it. And similarly, you know, you, you've you've described uh, getting people to learn melodies and and what that that does for you as a player is huge. But there there are so there are so few role models of that that type of playing on harmonica. Um, I mean, they're they're there, but people are listening still to the very kind of classic blues, and they're you know they've discovered the four draw and everything's great yeah and you know it's all about the fun like how do you how do you kind of enforce uh those the melody well just the fun the things that are important excuse me um well so from if you're asking me how do i enforce melody in in an area where somebody wants to learn blues harmonic improvisation their goal is that but i'm trying to get them to play a melody Mm mm-hmm I think I focus on the bluesiness of the melody. So I, I put them in second position. So you have to be able to. Get them playing a little bit of that. And then they're like, ooh, that's bluesy. That's kind of what I want to do. Yeah, you're learning a melody. Let's move on to another one. Bring in the bluesy elements, the warbles, hand can you know the hand wand, all this, and then they go, "Ooh, this is really fun!" And then they start to explore on their own the melody side, but from this the the lens of of bluesy, you know, the mm-hmm. blues perspective with the nuances of the blues, you know, the techniques we we think of, and so for me, that's that's one way to get somebody interested is let them hear it first of all, mm-hmm. get them working on it. Um, but yeah, you know, there are many other elements besides the whole melody, not to leave it, but like melody is an important one. It's like, what you know, one important thing I've been thinking about lately is order of operations for a musician in general. Like what is priority number one for beginners on? And like, to my mind, one of the first things I think of is sound producing a sound that is pleasant to your ears, tone. Secondly, timing and rhythm. Those are the elements together. If you have good sound that you can appreciate on your own instrument and you focus on just making one note or one chord just sound pleasing by focusing on your breath as a harmonica player, let's say, controlling it, relaxing, um, then you can naturally organically evolve your music. You can bring in rhythm. You can learn a chug. But without the basic elements there, I've been thinking a lot about what are the other ingredients that keep you focused but in the right areas early on? Because that's the thing, man. Now everyone's distracted with with YouTube and Facebook and all that. It's easy to watch 50 videos and learn nothing. There's so much free content I always say to people, they're like, you give away so much. And all these people are just put, there's already too much to learn. Okay. So where are you going to start? How are you going to organize it? How do you get feedback? A coach is good because a coach can listen to you and help you dial that kind of stuff in and say, let me help you. You, you just described 50 things you're trying to work on. That's why you've gotten almost nowhere with any of this. So kind of like taking stock of your strengths and weaknesses and prioritizing and organizing. It's a big job for us. I know as teachers, but the student has to do a lot of this work. If I say to you, this is how you're going to do it. It may or may not jive with you, 
But if you sit down and say, I know what I want to be doing and what I need to be doing to get there, then you can start to assimilate with the help of somebody a good method. But it's got to come from, I think, the student, the player first, because that's where it's it's relevant to them. Like, I never liked being taught by somebody that's like, this is the way it's done and do this. And it's, I need a little bit of flexibility there as a learner to say, but I don't really want that. You know, well, they say, well, if you really want this, you may really want that. The, you know, then there's a conversation to have. But like, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this tangent. How did this <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm interested in the, the kind of, um, the, the online teaching and, and kind of pre-recorded content where, where people can do the, the kind of the, the pick and mix approach. Yeah. And, and that's not necessarily a, a positive because there are those things like, you know, breathing, breathing and relaxing that, I mean, that, yeah. that, that will make 90% of the players out there instantly better if they just focus on those two things. Yeah, no doubt. But um, it's not sexy, and and it's not. It's also something that's quite difficult to to really understand how you can work on it, because um, a lot of it is is not with the harmonica in your hands. You know, it's, right. it's it's putting the instrument down and relaxing and 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 thinking about the breath and and kind of getting yourself into that 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 mindset before you even touch the instrument. That's that's the word I was going to say, mindset. So breathing, it comes from your mindset. When you're scared, your breathing goes to hell. When you're nervous, your breathing is off. It, your, your heart rate increases. And I think it begins with the mindset. So a better way to think about practicing breathing is also to practice mindset, meditation, walking. One thing I recommend to my students all the time that's kind of related to what we're talking about is walking in time to the pieces of music they're working on. So I have them take a walk. And you can double time or half time walk, but it's still got to be within some sort of rhythm to syncopation to the, you've got to be in rhythm to what you're walking to. So if the beat is, that's your right, left foot making contact with the ground Mm -hmm. and getting these people to just tune into this relaxed state of mind of listening and observing first. It does correlate back to the breath though, because by not picking up the instrument to distract your listening opportunity, your active listening, you can relax. You can focus on these long, relaxed you know, breaths in and out. While you're doing that, you can practice pulsing your air, you know, one, two, three in, triplets out, in and out. You can do long breaths in, long breaths out. You could practice holding your breath. Take a slow breath in, hold it for five seconds, slow breath out, release, let it sit and rest for five seconds before you take your breath in. Those are standard breathing meditation practices that anybody could find on the internet anyway. I'm just, I'm sharing that I do these things because there's more to the music than just trying to make it. It's influencing all of that. Like the breathing is a big part, but it's mindset. So here's a, here's an interesting topic. When you get on stage as a beginner, all that goes out the window. How do you control nerves? Because then it screws up your breathing and then you can't even do what little you were you thought you could do, right? That you were ready to to do. And you're just so flustered that it's the worst for a, a wind instrument to, mm-hmm. to have your breathing go out. So what do you do? I tell beginners, play a note and hold it. Stay somewhere. Stop moving around. Focus on a long inhale. Let your heart beat fast. Notice it. And then just take a breath and out, you know, stop playing for a minute. 
just notice it. And then if you keep focusing on these longer notes, your, your heart rate will slow down. And then you can start to have a moment of relaxation where you can go for that one little riff you've been working on. There's so much that's going on in a diatonic. It's ridiculous. It's you can't see or show anybody all of the nuance of what we do, right? And it's like inside of this thing or in your mouth or whatever, however you want to think about it, it's like a whole nother world of detail happening that um, there's so it's so complex that the, that we need this relaxed breathing to even have a chance to take advantage of all that. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, how many times have you had a student come in and they're super excited because they've been practicing what what you sent them away to do, and then they they play it and and it and it it, it goes out the window and and they say, I don't understand what happened. Every time I yeah. play it at home, it's perfect. And- yes, all the time. <laughs> um, and so that's another side of of being vulnerable. And mm-hmm. like back to what we were talking about earlier is like the art of just practicing feeling uncomfortable more often so that you can gain confidence. Isn't that what it's all about? Like, haven't you witnessed a great performance of somebody that was just average as far as their ability? I have, but man, they delivered because the way they set it up was so relaxed. The way they, when they chose to play and not to play was perfect. They had a good sound. They weren't doing anything musically that was overstimulating me. Uh, or even stimulating me on a higher level. But what they did do right was the performance and the connection. And yeah, it's very interesting, man. But the mindset's a big one. How do you get there? You put yourself in that position as much as you can. You get out and you do the thing. The one thing I did right, man, from the very beginning was, and it was an accident, it was luck. I moved in to a house. I rented a room in Austin, Texas, right after I graduated. His name was Sergio, and Sergio was a great shuffle player. He played acoustic guitar all day. He just sat around and played blues. How lucky was I? I was a beginner harmonica player. Every night we jammed. You don't think that was instrumental to my development? Like, it totally was for me. It's huge. It's huge having something like that. I mean, I I started playing harmonica 2006, and... Uh, I was living with a bunch of musicians and we were students and we had no money for beer. So we, we went out on the street and, and we busked and I couldn't play harmonica. You know, I, I'd been playing for a couple of weeks, but you know, right. if you do that every day for two or three hours, yeah, you know, you, you get better very quickly. Um, yeah, it's, it's huge. You kind of, it, it's difficult to make that happen. I think, if if it's if it's you know something that you're doing for an hour at the weekend that that's the only thing that, that I'm not sure how you can kind of recreate that because it it would be difficult for me if I was starting something new now to put that amount of time into it and I'm sure it would be similar to you. Yeah, it would, man. It was all about exploration in the early days. It was like I was so excited to just have found something that allowed me to express myself. I mean, it sounds cheesy to say it, but like. It, it was my and still is my religion. It was the thing that I said, man, this makes sense. Like, I don't even understand it yet, but I'm going to try to figure out why it makes so much sense to me. And and it was the thing that allowed me to be who I am. And it sounds weird to say that, but it's true. It's, it's allowed me to just be who I am and just be comfortable being who I am and sharing my gift, my passion with other people. There's no... I can't think of anything else I'd rather be doing in this world than what I'm doing right now. And, um, 
So yeah, I think about that every day when I get up, but you can't recreate your early experiences are all about exploration, right? I mean, for me, I was like completely obsessed with just every day. I'd fall asleep in bed with the harmonica, you know, I'd wake up and like have like, ah, what's poking in my neck? It was a harmonica. I did that often and it was just, I was obsessed. Like I think a lot of people are early on, that's a healthy habit as a beginner to be a little bit obsessed with what you're doing. And just my my advice is find the take the time to like have fun with no structure too. Mm-hmm. Find sounds, make just just explore, you know, and let it be a struggle until it's not like the the riff that you're like those notes are not on my harmonica. For me. That was <laughs> that was Sonny Boy Williamson who did that to me. But I remember sitting there listening for over and over, going, "Why can't I play that note? I want to be able to play that riff right here." What was the riff? That was the riff. That little... I couldn't figure out for the life of me what the... That it was a half step in on the three. And I said, well, he's got a special harmonica or something. Or, <laughs> but you figure it out, you know? Yeah, so true. I, I, I love that thought. I think we've all had it. He's got a special harmonica. <laughs> Yeah, there's something going on here. This is he. I thought it was a C, but he must be on a specially tuned. No, he wasn't. Um, Yeah, and yeah, there's just so much to learn that it becomes back to what we were saying earlier. It's an overwhelming amount of information. We're inundated in general with just information, and it's overload. So if you're trying to get good at making music, you got to get focused on one thing at a time. You got to connect with people you can trust that you, that you, that inspire you and that have the knowledge that you can trust to, to guide you so that you're not spinning your wheels. I spent way too much time doing that. Just exploring before I was like, okay, time to get down to business and like get focused. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I think this is probably a really good point to segue because um, you know we're talking about people that we can trust to to educate us uh, about harmonica, and uh, you put together something very very cool. Uh, once again, taking advantage of new technologies uh, in the Global Blues Harmonica Summit. Um, so. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how that got started, what it is, and and what's coming up with it? Yeah, um, it got started when you and I and Adam Gusso and David Barrett, I had the idea to bring us all together in a platform that I had been using for years. Um, believe it or not, years teaching in that no one cared about, no one was paying attention to. I mean, I did. I had fans that that joined my monthly subscription just wasn't clicking. The technology wasn't clicking and no one really understood it. Everyone was scared of it. I thought, what if I bring my buddies in here and we do this global thing? Tomlin's out there, you know, and Scott, we're bringing people from different parts of the country and the world together and we'll have this online event. And that was beautiful. I don't remember what year that was exactly right now, but it was many years back at this point, several years. Do you, do you know what year? I think it must've been 2017. Or maybe okay, 2016. Yeah, 1617. In that zone. So I say many years, not that long ago, but it feels <laughs> like a long time ago because since then, I've been doing uh, similar events, maybe not with four of us teaching, but two to three often, or a featured guest artist. And these 
This online platform, which is an interactive experience, allows students to join the webinar. That's what it is. It's a webinar. And they have access to a chat box so that when they hear things going on and they say, well, I need to ask that question, they can jump in and ask questions. Um, so I've, I've been very fortunate to feature – I'm trying to look something up right here. But I've been fortunate enough to feature um, artists uh, like Adam, yourself, uh, David – um, Richard Slay, Dennis Grunling, Sam Friedman, all these wonderful players, Kim Wilson. Hello. You know, I, it's been, it's just been amazing. And on May 2nd, um, the, the great Howard Levy's joining me for the next summit and I've got it on sale right now. So, um, that's exciting. I'm, I'm really pumped to have him. Here's a guy, if you don't know who he is, you need to look up Howard Levy. He's transformed <laughs> the instrument on a tremendously high level um it's considered probably the best living diatonic player out there howard levy is a total animal like just just unbelievable when i when i've watched him play i was just like like he he definitely has a different harmonica to me (laughs) yeah his comes from outer space and ours do not his mind comes from outer space probably his musical mind he's he is a piano player um, and so he visualizes on the, on the harmonica, a piano layout when he plays, he sees a piano okay. and that's, I've heard him talk about this. So it's fascinating. That's all it is to him. He's, it's a piano. He literally, as he's playing, he watches where that would be on the piano. So he's taking advantage of every note cause it's a chromatic instrument. So he's, he plays a diatonic fully chromatic by, be, be you know taking advantage of the overblows the overdraws these are notes that that raise the pitch rather than flatten it like a bend and so it's incredible to listen to the way he has put it together in world music and he plays everything every every style you can think of uh, from yiddish music to gypsy jazz to folk music to blues you just name it he's done it and he's probably recorded it too he think he's got a massive collection of recordings out there um so what we're going to do in the summit is hang out not only have him teach a session on learning jazzy blues and bluesy jazz and alternate positions and how to bluesify those zones of jazzy of jazzy positions that people think of as more jazz oriented how to make them more bluesy and vice versa how to jazzify the bluesy sort of positions and he's going to perform where he does the thing where he plays piano at Uh, the same time while he plays harmonica so um Oh, that's going to be It's going to be fun. That's going to be very, please, very cool. Please remind me to send you a personal invitation. You're I, personally invited to all these events as a guest of mine. Well, I, I'll, I'll be coming. I'll be coming anyway. Um, but I, I'm going to link that up in the show notes. And I highly encourage people to check it out. And, and one concern that I know a lot of people have with these kind of online events is, what do I do if, if I can't join live? Yeah, you they're recorded. So everything is preserved. Whether you show up or not, you still get a link in your email uh, that night or the next morning that contains uh, the recording of the entire event. Event You can download it or stream it uh, or both do whatever you'd like with it. And then you've got it on your computer to go back and practice along with as long as you're around. <laughs> this is it's it's so cool. I mean, I, I think that I I started learning harmonica at a point where it was probably starting to get a lot easier. Um, 
but I think now now it's even easier um, with those kind of online summits and, uh, and and all the teachers putting out YouTube videos and things. I think that there's no excuse anymore to, right. to not get good because uh, everything you need is out there. And uh, I think it's very And the cool. technology, the technology is also evolving. Like mm-hmm. I look back to the summit we did, the quality that we got on the recording versus some of the quality that I can get now with different platforms and different tools. It's it's getting to where it makes sense to do this. Uh, and not only makes sense, but like, you know, we could, you could see each other more clearly. You can hear each other better. Uh, so the technology is allowing us to actually communicate effectively enough to where the learner can get a lot from these sessions. It's, yeah, it just simply wasn't made available because the technology wasn't there back in the day. You're lucky to find even a harmonica teacher in your hometown. Um, my experience was one that I had to hunt before I found the one guy that, or two guys that total about, um, that were teaching where I lived in Austin. And that was Michael Rubin and JP Allen. The coincidentally, they lived in Austin, Texas. When I lived there, JP left shortly after to move to Hawaii, but Michael Rubin, JP was the first teacher. And then Michael Rubin was the second one. I bet everyone has heard of these teachers out there, um, floating around, but yeah, it's kind of cool what we have now, especially things like the podcast is a good example too. Oh, thank you. Um, cool. Well, I, I think I think that this is uh, probably a, a kind of good spot to start wrapping things up. Uh, before we do, though, uh, is there anything else that you want me to to promote or talk about or anything you want to say? Nah, just you know, you keep doing what you're doing. We're gonna keep this thing going. We're gonna try to support each other and get through this mess we're in right now. And um, if people do want to find out what I do, I'm at harmonica123.com. I like to spend my time putting videos out on YouTube, offering some online classes and these summits. So that's that's the focus for me and appreciate you having me on the podcast. Well, thank you so much for, for coming along. It's uh, Well, it's always a pleasure hanging out with you. Um, you too, man. I, I, I got to say, um, everything that has been spoken about will be linked up in the show notes, including harmonica123.com. Uh, and you really, really, really should check out Ronnie. And uh, and, and if you're kind of on the, on the fence about getting Skype lessons, um, do do get in touch with him because uh, he will he will do do wonders for your playing. He'll kind of build a, a, a curriculum around exactly what you want to be working on. And uh yeah, he's, he's kind of perfect teacher slash mentor, so definitely worth checking out. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for, for joining me, and uh, yeah, I'll see you soon. Thanks, Tomlin. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tomlin's Harmonica Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review on your podcast player of choice. Join me next Monday for the next episode. Happy harping! <laughs>